Hey, what's up? This is Dead and Rope Show, episode 81, coming in hot, uh, coming in energized. I feel so much better than I did last week. Uh, if anybody fucking bothered to listen to that 20 minutes of whatever the hell that was, because it was, it was, I don't know. I needed to get something out, and I probably should have just held off, but I felt like I needed to stick to the schedule, and uh, so that's what happened there. And so I think I'm going from the shortest episode to perhaps the longest, and we're going to see. But I brought in some extra help for that, and I, I needed I needed some backup, maybe to keep me in check, maybe to keep the 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 vibe in check. And so uh, I got some backup here. And uh, yeah, so <laughs> that's what I'm known for is keeping the keeping the vibe in check. That's that's my whole thing. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, it feels like we never stopped. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm still waiting to be introduced. Like, I, I think it's I think it's already happened. Like you're already here. You're already in it. Um, it's, it's Bill and Ian. It's like it's like it never it never stopped. Uh, you know, you know, happening. I'm happy to be here because I've been listening to your podcast since January and uh-huh. I'm a fan. Like, I'm really a fan. So to get the chance to be on the show is like, look just, at that. It's very exciting. Now, imagine if you had listened before you were on the first stint, you know, it, it, you would have been like starstruck the first time. And <laughs> now, <laughs> what, I'm saying, true. what I'm saying is to, you don't want to take this opportunity for granted. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm the one that left, like, of my own. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh huh. And then I had to beg to come back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I really, I really made you crawl. <laughs> I was banging down your door. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, I feel like, um, for this episode in particular, I was like, you know what? I might need somebody to be like, hey, are you going? <laughs> Are you going too far with this one? And so um, I, I needed a, like a springboard here. And so I was like, you know what? You wanted to be back on the show. And it's sort of the timing made sense where I wanted to do this topic um, because you have some familiarity and um, you didn't necessarily go as deep as I did, which is fine because you have um, maybe fresher eyes to it than than I I do at this point. That's a great way to spin a lack of research on my end. I love it. <laughs> you know, I could I could I could make a, a, a silver lining out of anything, I guess. But uh, w- we will get going with that. So so I, I mentioned uh, a deeper dive uh, at least an episode ago. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it. And I'm, to be honest with you, I'm still not sure if I wanted to do it or not. <laughs> too late. It's uh, happening. Because I know, I know, I know I did too much research. And the reasoning is that um, I want to talk about what's going on with uh, Say Anything and the the lead creative force and, uh, you know, oh, figurehead, I is guess. That what this, I, I was under the impression we were doing a deep dive on the Taylor Swift, Maddie Healy rumors. Uh, you know, I went in on that that Twitter trending topic on the Maddie Healy again, uh-huh. and uh, I just I, I I can't bother with that shit. It's just like, oh man, this guy's a racist. Okay, cool. All right. Phoebe brought him on See stage ya. though the other night. I don't know what that means. So Phoebe Bridgers what was that the dude Taylor Swift? Well, she was opening for Taylor, and so she brought Maddie Healy to play guitar on her set, and then he was hanging around afterwards. Okay. But also, there's the rumor because you know Taylor ended a six year relationship, and now there's a rumor that she's dating Maddie. 
Healy. That's like the big thing right now. She just loves a grease ball, doesn't she? Are you what? John Mayer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she just loves a racist grease ball. I don't know what it is. A racist grease ball who's good at music. Uh, Unfortunately, I, 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 there's little evidence. There's little evidence. I don't know. Anyway, uh, but yes, uh, so I wanted to take a look at uh, what's been going on with Say Anything and uh, the creative force and figurehead, Max Bemis, because uh, the way that uh, the the creative output has sort of um, uh, flowed out of uh, Max Bemis and sort of the way that uh, he and then his family has engaged, disengaged and engaged with social media and uh, the fans has uh, been very odd and um, at times off-putting. They put a lot out on social media is is the real thing. And uh, it seems to be equal parts misunderstood and then also like extrapolated into strange angles. And we'll, we'll, we'll try to get into all of this. And I know I'm being very general and sort of obtuse, but we will get into sort of all of this. Yeah, you need a way to sort of uh, introduce us to this mess <laughs> that is ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but what I want to get upfront about is that I want to try to avoid like being an armchair psychologist about a lot of this. Smart. And that's that's also I I, I you know I'm gonna try, but that's also very difficult to do whenever you have somebody that is very open about uh their mental health, specifically their bipolar uh disorder. Mm -hmm. And then you also have somebody that is a creative who is writing about mental health and their own, you know, struggles with it. But then you also have and the same token them being open about their struggles on social media, which is a very different thing than artistic output. So there are different angles here, and I think a lot of them are getting conflated. And again, we will get into it. And the other thing is that I want to avoid needlessly talking about the children that are involved because they're fucking children. I, I, I phrase that improperly. They're, <laughs> they're children. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, yeah, like, like that makes sense. They're, they're, they're unfortunately part of the, the story, but like, I feel that they shouldn't be because they're children. Yeah. <laughs> so I would like to avoid talking about them as much as possible. But again, th th this is messy. So, um, for those that are not familiar, um, Say Anything is a, uh, emo punk band and they've put out several albums since, uh, early 2000s. Uh, most famous of which is uh, 2005's Is a Real Boy. And uh, that is where the, it is probably their most well-known album. And it is where the uh, sort of myth of Say Anything begins. And I have to use the word myth and sort of the meta structure of Say Anything itself. And that sounds very pretentious, but it's kind of hard to avoid being pretentious when you talk about Say Anything and the whole story of the band and Max and the music is sort of all wrapped into one um, because he wrote the album uh, while going through uh, a manic episode as he was discovering that he was bipolar. Um, he had to be chased through the streets of Los Angeles, uh, supposedly by um, Max Winkler, who is the son of Henry Winkler, um, <laughs> which is... An interesting detail. Um, 
and uh, the, the album did very well. It's what they're most known for still to this day. Uh, singles like uh, Alive with the Glory of Love and Wow, I Can Get Sexual Too. Was he a, um, a teenager at that point, early 20s? He was, yeah. He was like 18, 19 wow. at the time. Yeah. Um, so there are tons of fans that still to this day only like that album. Oh, that I didn't know. And that has become, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, it has become a sticking point and sort of a a, a point of reference and a point of like contention for Max Bemis and his following output throughout the rest of his career, where at the same time, he's like very appreciative that people like that music. But then we'll say things like on um, the album, I don't think it is, uh, destroy our first LP mm-hmm. and things like that. And then other lyrical references to is a real boy. Um, and even though technically that's not the first LP, that's what the one that he's referencing because he doesn't really consider the previous one to be first one. Um, so this may not seem important, but it kind of is. So there is a, there's just a large contingent of fans that only, only care about is a real boy. And they think everything after that is garbage. They only like that album. And they think that every every successive album has just gone downhill from there. That's so interesting to me because it is it is a very vast catalog that Say Anything has. And I think mm-hmm. there's I, I just don't know if Is a Real Boy is that fundamentally different from a lot of the other stuff that's come after it. Um, like, I think the only outlier really is I don't think it is. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, its, its, own, that's its own beast. Yeah. Right. And uh, we will get into that album in particular uh, because there is the the timeline of that album specifically and what was going on then is kind of key as well. Hmm. Um, But other than that, I think lyrically, like the best to me, the best work was done in like uh, like Hebrews era. And then I think also think Oliver Appropriate, which is the most recent album, was also very strong. Uh, Turns out people hate that album. Oliver? Um, yes, which I th- I felt was a um, terrific uh, sort of send-off and capstone to say anything, the project. And so at the time that Oliver was released, which is still the most recent Say Anything album, he had released the album and then ended the band. He called it a breakup, but like he was the... He's the only like consistent member, the only creative force really that is like no like it's his band, right? And so he ended. There it. was also a very um, personal letter that ke- that he came out with around the time of that that album, right? I think when he released the first single for it. Yes, which I uh, happen to have here on uh, it's uh, typed on cardstock, which I have as part of the pre order <laughs> for that record. Which I have here. Um, and so this is this is a major um, this letter itself is a major sticking point for um, fans and former fans, which is something that I learned after the fact. Um, so I think I think it would be uh, necessary to read read this. Um, so so this is the context of basically this is the uh, at the time last say anything record and um Yeah. Uh, So Oliver Appropriate is the first inclusive Say Anything record, a record with lyrics that can be sung by girls, boys and anyone under the sun without correcting the endlessly pervasive pronouns. Rather than a record about myself, I chose to write a full length about the self-loathing, slightly homophobic misogynist, essentially my opposite as a queer neurotic moralist who has been married to the love of my life for 10 years. 
My goal, after much reading of the, on the psychology of sociopaths, was to find empathy for someone I would normally loathe, a true product of the subliminal millennial fixation on wealth, power, and misogyny. The album was birthed when I first fell in love with an indie rock band. Museum Mouth's LP seminal, Alex I Am Nothing, was a revelation to me. I discovered it, became enamored with it, and it led me to signing Museum Mouth to my imprint, Rory Slash Equal Vision Records. On the record, my friend and singer-songwriter drummer, singer-slash-songwriter-slash-drummer Carl, uh, I'm going to say Kuhn, I don't know how to, it's either Kuhn or Ken, probably, detailed his unrequited love affair with a, quote, straight individual. The record is a classic, a Seinfeld fucks Waves celebration, and that's Waves the band with two Vs, a celebration of all things beautifully torturous. As Carl's friend and a huge fan of the record in his band, I created an image in my mind of the type of guy who would actually hurt Carl. Carl is a sweetie, and the idea bummed me out and reminded me of being heartbroken growing up. In turn, Carl's music and songwriting inspired me to start writing my new Say Anything record, despite my inability to imagine someone as cool as him would like my band. He also ended up co-singing, playing the drums, and serving as my consultant for our new record, a great friend and reluctant muse. Carl even gave me the honor of contributing the first, quote, non-Max Bemis written Say Anything song, Your Father, in which he plays himself, the hero of my latest concept record, which in this case is more like some kind of sad myth. That record is Oliver appropriate. Oliver is the lead character of that myth, my imaginary Carl's foil, voiced by me over the course of the record, the bastard son of Columbine and primary antagonist of the story. He's also a thinly veiled critique of new age masculinity. Oliver is the singer of a burnout emo slash indie punk band past their peak, a serial cheater, a junkie, a man who kisses boys at beer-soaked coke parties as some kind of ironic joke instead of because he actually allows himself to find them attractive in an emotional sense. My grayish monogamous bisexuality has always been a truly comfortable, if a bit ambiguous, place for me, but trying to understand and sort of becoming Oliver in the loosest sense one can imagine and creatively speaking showed me what it's like to fear it. My obvious answer as a new father was that Oliver simply didn't have supportive enough parents for his wiring. Though the meaning and interpretation of every Sanding song is subjective, the album, in order, chronicles two days and 14 songs. The listener and I follow Oliver over the course of two days. The narrative begins with Oliver waking up on a hungover Sunday in his filth apartment and follows him to a Brooklyn bar where he meets his first boy he allows himself to fall in love with, again played by Carl, who expresses his role through vocal counterparts in his drumming. Oliver, despite having a girlfriend he doesn't really care about, ends up sleeping with Story Carl, which drives, his, which drives him nuts because he won't truly accept that he could love a boy not as a joke. Oliver rejects Carl and treats him like another conquest. After being fired the next day from his vague and boring job in marketing, he regrets his decision and seeks out Carl, who he sees as the answer to his problems. Carl rejects him and tells him he's actually sort of in love with another guy. In a fit of rage, Oliver kills Carl, absconds from New York to San Francisco, and drowns himself, tied to the corpse with a gigantic stone. The album ends with Oliver's ascension after death and his acceptance of what he's done to himself, Carl, and the world. The album is my attempt to both uh, satirize and embrace the current concept record about myself that isn't fad, while poking holes in what I see as some serious hypocrisy within its workings. Oliver was a narcissistic user and abuser who I essentially had to become in order to record my new album in a very depressing Heath Ledger Joker fashion. I spent two years snorting antidepressants and drinking more than I'm accustomed to due to enduring the writing process, as well to cope with the with the as the mounting traumas, insecurities, and hardships of life that accompanied fatherhood. I ended up questioning everything I hold true and enduring searing stress and anxiety while simultaneously contending with the amazing and difficult resulting uh, from the birth of my beautiful daughter Coraline, who contributes vocals to the record. My new career writing comic books, despite the endless joy it has brought me, added another layer of serious issues. 
However, two years later, with the birth of my son, Charlie, and the completion of the record, I dove headfirst back into life and found it warm and waiting for me to wake up again and confront all my demons. The pills weren't hard to quit, despite some wiggling around in bed like Johnny Cash towards the end of Walk the Line, whacked out on withdrawal and sheer PTSL, which I still suffer from. I ended up in a better place professionally, emotionally, and ready to take on being a dad again. I realized how loyal my friends were to me and how little they shared with Oliver, how little I share with him, and yet how much I love him. In the end, I accepted that I am a good person, well, as good as one can be when you're living in a flawed, fucked up world. In a way, Oliver ended up saving me. I think it was his purpose in the end. Thanks, Max. And so that was posted, like you said, for the first single. I still remember because it was like late summer and uh, I'd just gotten home from like a, a run or a walk or something. I just remember reading this, sitting down and reading this and just having to sit with it for a while because it's a lot, you know? Yeah. Mm hmm. Um. And so he would go on to expand either in some kind of post or something that um, Oliver is essentially the what he envisioned as the speaker of is a real boy and like or like the 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 speaker of is a real boy like grown up and fans don't like that. <laughs> it turns out um, they don't like that the songs that they like either identified with or like sung along to or whatever, uh, the speaker of those songs turned out to be uh, a, a literal violent homophobe. Now, when you say fans, are you referencing that section of the fan base that really only likes that first album? Or is this just more of a general consensus? Um, I don't think it's necessarily a general consensus. I do think it's maybe the majority of people that are most attached to Israel Boy. Um, but I I would I, I think my my reading is that there's some overlap. But I also think that this is people uh, also becoming jaded with uh, the band and Max and then sort of lashing out at his most recent output. So interesting, that anger, though. That's my sense. Because I looked at I looked at that letter as something because he's, you know, it you is. mentioned Hebrews, which I think was the album or maybe the two albums before this one. There was so much of that that was grappling with like aging, yeah. right? Like aging out of his career, aging out of relevance. Um, and this this letter feels a lot like it's confronting the past, but it's also growing from the past. So I sort of took I had like an opposite reaction to like the angry fan that is like, um, like, why are you ruining my favorite album? I I took that as something as like, you know, this is this is him trying to grow mm -hmm. as a person and learn from the past, not like rejected outright. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so um, one of the one of the sources here that uh, I want to talk about is uh, the the video that is posted to the Bemis family YouTube channel, which is a whole can of worms, the whole naming scheme there. Um, this was posted two years ago, uh, August 2020. So like in the middle of like lockdown, I guess, um, called Max Bemis Update uh, WTF Edition. In the beginning, he talks about how um, a lot of his... Music has been sort of misinterpreted and that has in turn sort of um, misinterpreted him as a person where uh, people look at the lyrics to to is a real boy in particular and assume that that was him, that he was like this party boy going around playboy style, whatever, whenever he was just uh, in his words, like reacting to the scene that was around him and sort of um, 
not I think ironic is the wrong word, and I don't think he uses that word, but like sort of playing with what was around him. Like you think about, and I think he uses this example too, um, the song Molly. Um, he doesn't use like the, the lyrical example, but he says like, Mol every man has a Molly. Um, there's the lyric, you goddamn kids best be gracious with the merch money you spend. Like he's not being serious there. He's talking about like other shitty, like he says, misogynistic bands that were in the emo scene at the time that were taking advantage of women and like underage fans and other shit at the time. Yeah. And, and his, um, yeah, his sort of, you know, looking at the scene as a whole and his place within it and, and, you know, critiquing it and all that, that's been like a constant throughout his career. I mean, the next album that followed is a real boys called in defense of the genre. Right. So it's always been a big part of, of his music. Yeah. Yeah, right. Like, and it, it, it's just so funny that like, and maybe this is like an issue with, I guess, media literacy too, where people assume that the speaker of a song is the singer, right? The the speaker of a poem is the poet, you know? And that is not the case. That is not how writing works, you know? Um, Like, like uh, an example that like is, is, I guess, recent to me, but it's probably like outdated. Um, it's like I just got into uh, baby metal recently. You know, um, you know how they were like sort of like kind of a fad, like in, I don't know, seven years ago where they were like playing like late night shows mm -hmm. and shit like that. Um, well, like their big song is called um, Megitsune, and that's like a play on Kitsune, which means fox. And uh, the 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 chorus of that song is all of, like the, the lyrics, like literally are all about how like. Um, women must be prim and proper and seen and not heard is like basically what they're saying. But then it's like, well, I'm a fox. And so I'm not going to do that. But like I saw comments that are like, yeah, this is a great song, but I don't know about the lyrics. It's like it seems kind of, you know, misogynistic. And it's like, no, they're doing the literal opposite. <laughs> they're doing the literal opposite just because they're saying the words does not mean that they're like endorsing that they're saying that I'm not adhering to that message. Like it's it's just it's just like wild what right. like how people will interpret lyrics that are right in front of them. You know what I mean? Um. So yeah. So like he's he's not uh like and it's it's easy to say that like whenever you relay what he's saying in this video that he's being defensive and he's definitely not. Um. This is not like the sort of YouTube video where like he's like I gotta set the record straight. I gotta do this. He's just talking, you know. Um. And. It, it, so it is just kind of wild to see like the 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 drastic misinterpretations of um his own art um but the 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 rest of the video is the probably more um I don't want to say more interesting but the the wilder aspect of this story where he talks about uh his quasi relationship to Kanye um <laughs> who uh, okay, uh, yay, yeezy, yeezy, yay. No, I'm kidding. I don't know yeah. what to call him. I know. I don't know what to call him anymore. Um, so uh, he explains that uh, at this point, so this was 2020, that several years prior that he got in touch with Kanye West somehow through, I don't know, pe people that know people. I don't know how famous people operate. And that uh, he, he can't talk about it probably due to legal reasons, but he was uh, working with Kanye on some kind of, in his words, narrative project because Kanye knew that he uh, was a musician, but that he also wrote comic books. And so he was flying out to L.A. and then flying back home and then flying out to L.A. to be in meetings with Kanye West. Um, and this is 
at the time that he was working on I Don't Think It Is. He was also working with uh, Darren King, who is his brother-in-law. And keep that name in your back pocket for the moment because that'll become relevant. Mm-hmm. But Darren King is married to Stacy King, the uh, sister of his wife, who was formerly an Isley, who is also a musician. Who I, I believe I believe she still does solo work. Yes, yeah, so I was going to ask: Is Stacy a member of Isley that left the band? That's yes, and yes. she was like she primarily yeah, she was their, a co-vocalist, or at yes. least one of their yes. lead singers, um, right? Yeah, she left. I I'm not quite sure on the time frame. It was prior mm-hmm. to yeah. their. I want to say it was two albums ago, but they've kind of been um, inactive. Mostly, yes. I would attribute to uh, Sherry, Max's wife, having uh, five children. That'll do so, it. So <laughs> I, I would I I don't want to put, you know, words in her mouth, but I would. Uh, I, that's my guess is uh, part of that. Was the name of. Uh, Stacy's one of her solo parts was it? Sucre? I think so. I think you're right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I, yeah. I, I have yeah. not kept up that with that really side good. as much. I'm not sure if she is um, still active or not because because they all have like families and shit. Sure. Um, no, even so that I, yeah, even I'm that not, solo project right, was like right, yeah. at least five years um, ago. But anyway, um, so so Max uh, is working with Kanye, uh, and so is uh, Darren King uh, in some capacity. Uh, at the time, Max is working on the album. I don't think it is. Uh, which Darren King is also producing. Now, um, the, uh, at some point, uh, Max uh, says that uh, Kanye uh, inspired portions of that album and uh, Kanye had also heard portions of that album and gave some feedback. So this is, so this is the time frame. Um, and then at some point, uh, the project stopped, fell apart, whatever. Um, and Max went back home. Um, but then he, uh, he was in contact with one of Kanye's assistants or members of his posse hangers on. I'm not sure what the, what the title of this dude is. Max doesn't name him. All he says is that he was, uh, another, uh, Jewish guy in his thirties like Max. And so he felt some kind of um, kinship with him. He was friendly, if a little weird, but he said, who isn't? But, you know, but, you know, they they had some kind of rapport. And so a couple of years pass and um, Max is going through some shit. And uh, for some reason, he decides to reach out to that guy. And the when the guy calls him back, uh, this was like at the time Max came out publicly as bisexual. Um, and the guy immediately uh, asks if Max is the F slur over the phone. Which is just a, a crazy way to talk to anybody, especially somebody you barely know, to, mm-hmm. you, you know, whatever. And then somebody that's just newly out. Um, just a just a wild thing to ever do. Yeah, to it's, anybody. it's horrific. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but but any but the long story short is, is that Max says this guy sort of like broke his brain. Um, and while Max is sort of having some kind of, uh, spiral where he doesn't really know what to do with his career, um, and is like sort of going through, uh, an episode, um, this dude convinces him to, uh, end say anything as, as a band and to focus on being a writer instead. Um, and so that's what Max did is that he, he ended say anything, um, which at the time in 2020, in this video, he says that he doesn't regret because it was causing him 
some kind of anxiety uh, being like mm -hmm. a touring band while having a family and all kinds of things like that. And um, he says that um, while like this dude broke his brain, he's still kind of grateful for it because he probably wouldn't have ended the band if not for this dude. But he still says like this dude gave him PTSD because they would have really weird conversations where this guy was literally on coke calling him up for hours on end and like breaking his brain, like his bipolar brain. Um, and you said Max was already struggling with something prior to reaching out to this person. Yes, that is what Max says in the video. Yes, it wasn't yeah, like that this guy caused some kind of thing. He was already going through some stuff and was sort of reaching out to somebody that he was friendly with in the same way that he was. He explains it as trying to reach out to people that like he knew almost like reaching mm -hmm. out to old friends, even though he didn't know this guy very well. They were friendly for a few like weeks to a few months and he felt some kind of kinship with him. And so he was like, hey, you know, how are you doing sort of thing? And then this guy proceeded to um, break his brain. And he says that, um, and again, this is Max's words. I don't know how true this is. I don't know how any of these things operate. That very famous people have people that are employed that are there to keep people crazy. That are like to push them to the edge to be creative. And so that's what this guy was going to like. That's what this guy was for Kanye. Um, and that's such an incredibly toxic concept, but it's a familiar one in art. You know, I mean, it goes back to like, oh, yeah, oh, you know, like insane. old filmmakers like Alfred Hitchcock, like abusing right. his yeah. actors um, just to get and, a performance. Uh, because it, it's so it's so strange to uh, say it now because. In 2020, so this is almost three years ago, Max is saying that, you know, whatever he's he's talking about, like, oh, yeah, whatever Kanye's going through now. Well, and that was three years ago. Well, so this was prior to the Nazi turn. Like, I, I genuinely I can't even remember what he was doing in 2020. To be honest, that has been a long running thing with Kanye. It's just been kind of known within people that have interacted with him for any extended period. He's had those, those views and has been, you know, spoken on them for, for years. Just saying. Has he, but, but I, this is, this is before that he was like giving interviews on Alex Jones and saying it's the Jews. And Alex Jones is saying, you can't say that. Yeah. But I just, I just think, I just think it's wild how like whatever he's referring to there. I can't pinpoint exactly which yeah. Kanye Yeah, no, things have escalated. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> things have definitely escalated. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, there has been a long-running theme with Kanye and those uh, very, very problematic views of his. He's referring to specifically. So, um, but yeah, but at the time, like, that Max is now conversing with this guy on the phone and he's, in Max's words, breaking his brain. Um, he doesn't, um, this guy's no longer working for Kanye. This dude also makes references that he's working for, uh, Elon Musk. So sure. Mm -hmm. Why not? You know, um, <laughs> so, so this is, this gives, um, some background to, I don't think it is, which is, um, probably the biggest outlier in the catalog. Uh, that's very divisive to say the least. I don't like it. Yeah, I, I can see that, you know, um, I, personally, like I don't. It's probably the mm -hmm. album I listened to the least, like, but um, it came out at a very crucial time when I was like having a breakdown. So like uh, I yeah. have a, mm -hmm. a weird attachment to it, 
But again, sure. I it, I listen to it the least. Well, part yeah. of that too is probably how it is purposely um, yes. hard to listen to, even just from like a production standpoint. Like it is, it's not aesthetically uh, or or you know audibly uh, pleasing to listen to. Right. Yeah. For every um like song like seventeen cooked up speeding, there's like like it ends with like a a very strange rap, you know, and um which is gonna rear its head yeah that i was gonna say that's that's become a Uh running thing um so if a lot of this seems like i'm just talking about say anything the bands and it's i I feel like it's important because of so like so much of that is wrapped up in um like max's state and the state of uh his family and then also how that sort of dictated uh future and i guess now current behaviors Um, so, and like, if you have no context for the band whatsoever, I feel like it's important to establish that. Um, so at the same time that all of this is going on, uh, Max does something called the song shop and he has done this, uh, I guess since 2010, if, if his timeline is correct, based on the video where he says that he's done it for 10 years. Um, and the song shop is basically, uh, you pay him. And he writes you a song and it's uh, a set amount of money. And I think that you can get a short song, which is like, I don't know, a minute long or a minute and a half or something like that. Or you could pay for a full song, which is like two and a half minutes or something like that. And um, yeah, he's done it for a long time. And what it, it used to be was that uh, the the song shop would be open in in waves. So it would be open for a period. And then whenever all the slots were full, uh, then he would work on the songs. And once they were finished, uh, he would send them out. And then whenever he was able to do it again, it would be opened up. And that's sort of how it would work. Um and uh, some people would um, sometimes post their songs, you know, on YouTube or whatever, if they were uh, proud of it and happy with it and wanted to share it. And so there's also just like more Max Bemis songs just kind of like floating out there. Right. Um, but in in more recent years, uh, the song shop is either just constantly open or it's open very frequently. And you hear more and more stories about people like getting their song like very, very late. We're talking like it'll take over a year for you to get the song. Or nowadays there's people saying that like, hey, I've been waiting for over a year. I still haven't gotten it. But yet they're saying that like, oh, I just finished up the last wave. You know, it's like now it's like so so get in your orders and shit like that. Um, So now there's an air of like, Okay, well, what what the hell's going on here? You know, um, and this is this is one of the cracks of where the uh, especially in the say anything subreddit of where the label grifter starts to get uh, thrown around a lot. And uh, one of the other ways that it gets thrown around is that um, after Max ended say anything, uh, him and Sherry uh, launched a Kickstarter for their projects posts say anything where uh they were going to have uh solo solo albums eps uh lots of other little things uh they were going to cover each other's music i can't even remember how much that they promised that they were going to hit uh they they uh it funded very quickly it got basically all the stretch goals there was going to be physical rewards i i can't even tell you how much shit was like 
promised in the different tiers of the Kickstarter. And for, you know, I don't know if it's transparency or whatever, but I I, I backed the Kickstarter um, to the like whatever the tier was where I got all the music, basically, because that's kind of what I was interested in. Um, and it, it took a very long time, you know, for the mm -hmm. rewards to be doled out. And it was kind of... Um, it was not done very well. Um, like they they had some kind of assistant and a lot of the songs were just like sent through that assistance uh, Dropbox link, you know, so it was like on their personal Dropbox page. Um, songs were like not labeled correctly, like in folders and shit. And um, and that's just like on my end. Uh, it was it was difficult to know when you were getting things. People were just like there would just be mass emails saying like, hey, if you didn't get something, email us people in the comments, all kinds of shit. The biggest issue I would say would probably be the physical rewards. Mm -hmm. uh, they got the kids involved for like uh, like making sticker packs, like like hand drawn sticker packs or something that that would then be like, I guess, mass mass copied or whatever, and then made into stickers like they drew the original designs or whatever. And people never really got those. And when they did, they weren't very good. Uh, the biggest one would probably be uh, Sherry's art, which so she's an artist. She would uh, she had an art shop. I don't know how active it still is. And um, so you could get a um, she was doing a, for the Kickstarter at a certain tier. You could get a tattoo design from her. And uh, this was this was a big deal for a lot of people, especially uh, me and my sister, because we were big fans at the time and we wanted to get a matching sibling say anything tattoo. And we were like. Well, isn't this fucking perfect if we get a say anything tattoo done by the dude's wife? We're, we're, yeah, it's amazing. I think, Tor I think Tori had already purchased some art prints from her. Like she already liked the art style. And it's like, oh, this is fucking perfect. So you could uh, request like a, a like an idea of what you wanted. And then you could um, like that was that was the idea. And then she would complete the print or complete the design and you would get it in the mail. Um, and of course, those were late and backed up. Um, some people apparently never got theirs. Uh my sister did get it. It was um, not good. It was not good. It was it was barely um, what she requested. And uh, there was also just like weird like lines over it. And it was like it wasn't like in a square. Um, something was wrong with like it was like cut like the, the 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 corners were cut off. So it was just it was just not it was not good. Like on its own, it might be like an OK piece of art like an okay piece of art, but it was not what was um, requested or anything. And um, my sister was the one that paid for it because I had already pledged a, a different a different tier on the Kickstarter. And um, so like, I kind of shrugged it off like, well, that kind of sucks, you know, but it's like, oh, well, like. Yeah, I mean, an okay. So calling it an okay piece of art or something that could pass as an okay piece of art is difficult to swallow when you're planning on permanently uh, having that on yeah yeah exactly yeah and it's, it was like like we, we didn't know when we were going to get it so it's not like we had anything booked you know mm -hmm. like that would yeah. that would be ridiculous um and we also didn't know what it was going to look like like we didn't get any like foreknowledge so you know we didn't like go all out right um because we're we're, we're warriors like that because we were like well you know what if it ends up sucking so like we didn't you know um but like the way that it was like, like the corners were cut off, like it wasn't just like a piece of square cut, like it wasn't even centered on whatever piece of paper it was on. So like you couldn't even use it as a print. It was just mm -hmm. very disappointing. And she was she was pretty upset. She was kind of like sort of done with the like the the, the family at that point. 
where she felt like completely burned. And I was still like, yeah, it kind of sucks. But like, what are you going to do? Like, we didn't pay for revisions. She didn't complain because we don't really do that kind of thing. Uh, she thought about it. Um, but like, yeah, it, it sucked. Uh, but it seems like people never even got like a lot of shit from the Kickstarter, like to this day, um, which is. So I, I was going to ask, I was going to ask because so at this point in time, and I know there might be some information that you've that you're going to share later that maybe either confirms or denies this. But at this stage, I know you said you weren't fully like you're a bit forgiving here. So, you know, you mentioned the Reddit where they're calling Max a, a grifter, which is very strong, um, very strong uh, term to use. So it's like, do you think it's there? like, cause it also, you could look at it as some artists that were trying to do something independently in themselves and they got in over their heads. Like genuinely, that is what I think it is. I really okay. do. I really do. Mm -hmm. I do not think there is any malicious intent yes. to, for the, with the Kickstarter to take people's money and like not deliver anything. I think this is two very like artistic people that do not know like the production mm -hmm. side that always previously had labels like they didn't do their own merch you know that they basically hired um an assistant and at the time that assistant was really more of a nanny than like a music assistant you know um even though like because my sister almost applied for that job like that was how like how big of a fan she was she was like based on what they were looking for where they wanted somebody like that could do publicity and marketing was what they were, they said they were looking for. Um, she was like, Oh, I can do that. That would be amazing. You know? Uh, but then like based on like Instagram posts and all kinds of stuff, like that assistant was like helping take care of the kids. Like that, that assistant was a nanny. Um, and like maybe that person still had that kind of background and was like going to do those kinds of things, but they were also helping take care of the kids in their house. So like, that's at least from what you see from public posts, though. Like, you don't know the full background. What you see from the public yeah. posts. But like I said, they were at least, they were on the Kickstarter page, like, you know, fielding requests, you know, and, and, and like, concerns from fans um, and managing the, the Dropbox with the digital music uh, rewards. But I think they, they truly got in well over their heads. I do not think that they, like especially with stretch goals. And you hear this all the time with like Kickstarter shit where like yeah. you set out to do one thing with the project, but then you hit like the stretch goals. We're like, fuck, well, now we got to come up with like all these additional rewards and you're not necessarily planning on doing that. And this is not to absolve. Like if you say you're going to do a thing, you have to do a thing. And when it gets to the point where like, yeah, well, it's bad. You know, you can you can call it bad business, which it is, but to call them grifters and accuse them of like being malicious about it, I think it's just a step too far. So I, I truly think they got in over their heads. I think the work that would have been required to like fulfill all of that in a timely manner would have required a, a fucking team. And they did not have that or were unable to do that. And maybe like some of the funds should have been allocated for that. But I, I kind of think that they were clueless about it and yeah, they probably didn't have that allocation in their mind when they set those goals to begin with. They were probably f trying to um, put, you know, monetary amounts that would cover their own work on it. Right. So that's probably part of it, too. Yeah. And so and again, the, the, some of this is like Reddit posts. So you, you can't really know yeah. how accurate this shit is. 
but like um th they were like maybe going to move at the time or like uh possibly keep their house or downsize their house something like that um they've they've kind of been weirdly public about their living situation which i just think is a very bad idea like people knew their address yeah i don't love that um which I think is just the worst idea in the world. People knew where they lived because they had a um, a very distinctive house, like the way that they decorated the outside, and they are very public about what town they lived in. So people knew exactly where they lived, um, which I think is just the worst possible idea ever. Um, As someone who is not, doesn't really have a public presence like myself, I mean, I'm doing this podcast, but besides that... Um, like, I wouldn't really want that for no. myself. And so the fact that these are, you know, musicians who have a fan base and, and from what from what you yes. explained yes. here, yes. a section um, of that fan so base that it feeds really into, is unhappy. Um, how how um, yeah, public they are about, I don't want to like make a judgment and say things that they shouldn't be, but it's things that they shouldn't be. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so, like some things should just be like, that doesn't need to be out there. And I think one of those mm -hmm. is... Where you yeah, live. I mean, I also think that's you know, like societal like, too, because I, I feel like everyone just overshares online. Yeah, Not everyone, yes. but a lot of people and do. Like you see that a lot. They have a big issue with that. And I feel like this feeds into a lot of the fan dynamics where mm -hmm. fans know far too much about them. And so then fans feel entitled to pass judgment about um how they're raising which, the kids. Which, to be fair, I which don't, is, like, we can't blow that back on them. Like, that's a fan issue. Like, you need to check yourself there. But I know I know what you're saying. No, no, it, like, exactly. Like, people going crazy about the way that they homeschool the kids, how late the kids are staying up, mm -hmm. all kinds of, like, shit just because of Instagram posts. And it's like, what? Yeah, that's this really is bad. not your family. Why do you care? Why do you care? Like, unless you like literally see mm -hmm. like one of them, like hitting the child or something, you know, where there's like a, a, an immediate concern. Like, why do you care? Like, like, I, 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 I don't, you know, I think homeschooling is like personally weird, mm -hmm. but I don't care. It's not my family. It's not, it's none of my business. I don't care that it's, it's, it's public posts. It's, it's, it's nothing to me. That's them. <laughs> That's them. Like, it doesn't affect me just because I like the music, you know, and in a, in a, in a, in a way I like want the yeah, it's I'm sorry. It was just because it's incredibly stupid to pass judgment on that because there are so many factors why someone would do something like homeschooling their kids. And those factors are not necessarily going to show up on Instagram. Like, you just don't know. You're getting a small little piece of their you, life. You don't. You don't. No, you don't. And, like, you, you're getting a small piece that um, either they, uh, like, is curated, right? Yes. Or they aren't intentionally showing. Like, they don't mean to show, mm -hmm. right? Like, I like uh, like the address thing you know like i don't think they're technically saying like hey this is where we live uh you know we're broadcasting that intentionally so people everybody knows where we live that's just a by byproduct of the oversharing and i think a lot of this is the same thing where it's like this is the state of the house this is the state of the kids or whatever this is just the byproduct of posting in general like people like you know what i mean like yeah and yet none of this, none of this surprises me because, you know, Max and Sherry, they've both been artists that have like worn their hearts on their sleeves, you know, through their work and everything. So it just doesn't surprise me at all that they would approach 
social media like this. It's just a shame that it has um, these side effects. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, the, the, the last uh, um, I'm kind of going a little out of order here, but um, the, the one last thing I wanted to mention about the sort of whole um, background between the music and the um, so, like uh, the myth of say anything, that whole that whole idea was um, the parallels between Max and uh, the author that we've talked about in the past, probably a very long time ago at this point, uh, Brett Easton Ellis. And oh, no. well, it's not as okay. bad as you think. Um, I, I mean, I mean, in a, like a creative sense. So, yeah, we're not luckily we're not going into present day Brett Easton Ellis weirdness. Um, but the 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 way in which Max, uh, you know, he made is a real boy. And then later on, when he was older, uh, said like, uh, you know, that that wasn't uh, me in those songs. It was this character, Oliver. But it was it was part of me, and I I am also kind of Oliver, and I appreciate Oliver. That whole arc, right, that we sort of went over, uh, has distinct, almost identical parallels to the way in which Brett Easton Ellis approached Patrick Bateman from American Psycho, where he wrote American Psycho, mm. and he would give all kinds of interviews, and he would say like, "Oh yeah, Patrick Bateman is never not based on me whatsoever. What are you, what are you talking about? Like, he, you know, he's he's a psychopathic killer." Blah, 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 blah. Has nothing to do with my life. Uh, then he writes later on in his career, you know, 20 years later, he writes Lunar Park, which is a like fictional, not autobiography where he is the main character, where uh, he's going through some shit and like some of his characters are coming to life, including Patrick Bateman. And through that, he... Uh, basically admits that he was Patrick Bateman the whole time and that he wrote that character about how much he hates his fucking dad and all kinds of shit. Um, and he like, he, he now finally accepts Patrick Bateman like as himself. And yet both yes. of these, in both of these situations, it's still within the context of their arts, right? Like you still have, it's a, it's a novel and an album. Um, so it's still worth keeping in mind for, you know, like the people you're talking about who really just get to, um, I guess they just get carried away with their own interpretations because it's still just it's still yeah. art mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Yeah. And no, it's it's just it's just very it's like how how exactly yeah. like these two line up, you know, and um, and I have to say that Max mentions Brett Easton Ellis in the the Kanye video in another update video and in uh, the podcast that we're going to talk about a little later. So. <laughs> I wish we didn't have to talk about Kanye and Reddy Sinellis on this podcast, but you know what? It makes sense. I, know, I get it. I get where you're going. It's, you know, it's part of the story. Yeah. Um, so let's move into a little bit more of the present day. Um, in between, uh, people noticed a lot of other weirdness, like, um, well, like in between Max left Twitter and moved basically to Instagram, but this was before Twitter turned into more of a steaming mm -hmm. pile of shit than it already was. Um, because he would sometimes tweet a lot and it was again, a situation where people would weird, like misinterpret his tweets and just like sort of attack him. Um, and this, to your knowledge, this was not Max's, uh, assistant taking control of his Twitter. No, account. it's funny that you say that. No, but it's funny that you say that now though, because now the just Max to continue Bemis the, uh, the Twitter Ellis, are uh, run by uh, an assistant. 
and they are now in lockstep. They now are just used exclusively for promotion. Oh, all right. Um, and so people noticed a lot of weirdness where like um, old classic say anything merch and records would they would just like sell them you know on their facebook page uh they were doing a lot of live live streams from their house like from their iphone of varying quality um they were on cameo and so people are like okay hurting for cash i guess you know it's like yeah okay right well, that's that's not fair i mean that's just those are all things that indie artists do because the uh landscape is terrible and it's hard to make money yeah, um, there was weirdness because that assistant uh, was a say anything like mm -hmm. super fan. And it seemed like they were living in their house with their children. But again, it's like this is all, right. this all just like, my business. Who, who, wh why? Why? Why do we need to know? Why do we need to know? <laughs> you know, exactly. Is this Reddit? Is this mostly Reddit? This is mostly Reddit. This is mostly Reddit. Like, the, like okay. this, it's it's so it's so strange. Uh, is it strange how it's... siloed it is to Reddit? Because that seems like, like the, the, the like, go to no, place like, for this type so, of it, stuff. But like, it's weird how almost none of it breaks mm, containment. Mm -hmm. Like you you search on Twitter and like it's just like fans just like yeah I'm I'm excited for these upcoming shows or like people talking about like you know like uh, oh. Uh, you know, yeah. alive with the glory. We're, we're of love, fans of this, this person's shuffle. music. This is a throwback, you know, just like innocuous, mm -hmm. like everyday shit. And then you go to Reddit, and it's just like the world is crashing. You know, it, it's 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 insane. It really is. Like, because I thought like so 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 like there is a there's a like if you browse the say anything subreddit for five minutes, there's a there's an ongoing thing where somebody will be like, who who has clearly not been on the Reddit for more than five minutes. Where they'll post like um, something very innocuous, like, "Oh yeah, I was at the New York show last night. They were awesome." Um, and then it's like just, just, just rude shit. Like Max looks like shit here, and it's Ugh. like, "What the fuck? Like, what See? the fuck? Like, if you don't like him anymore, why are you like just need like endlessly in this this loop of just like?" Yeah, it's wild. Just don't there are anymore. subreddits that I love that are wonderful communities and I've gotten a lot of value out of them. And then there's this side of Reddit. And it's just like, uh, I mean, obviously, it's a very vast platform. You can find anything on there. But it's like this stuff just annoys the hell out it's of like me. It's like somebody, somebody will post like, oh, yeah, what, what, how do you guys rank the albums? And then there'll be just people like, yeah, th 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 this, this, is, this is how I'd rank them before everything went to shit. Like, <laughs> okay. It's nuts. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's nuts. It's like you people are no fun to be around. I'm going to go it's back really, to Twitter. No, it's, it's crazy. Which is a weird, crazy thing to say, by the way, like <laughs> driving someone back to Twitter because it's a better because it's a better environment. Right. Yeah. You go yeah. back to Twitter and then you see like uh, video footage of a live mass shooting. Like it's nuts. There's there's you mm, can't. Mm -hmm. But that, yeah, like it's 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 just a loop. It's literally just a loop of the same feedback like people talk about echo chambers like this is this is really one of them yeah i mean it sounds like the people who uh really um hate this artist and are want to be vocal about it they found each other and they've really sort of um pushed everyone else away right because like you said you've got these people kind of innocently coming in wanting to comment about this this band that they like and they're you know you're not going to stick around if you're seeing these these 
just instant, you know, hateful comments. Like who would want to, who would want to be part of that, that community if it's, if that's what you're, you're getting in return. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so in another instance of having too much information, uh, probably being too open. And, uh, so Max did, uh, a podcast, which he put on Bandcamp, um, which is an odd place to put it, but he also has music there. So it's like, okay, fine. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna question his, uh, for money though. Like, did he, did he charge for the podcast? No. So, so like Bandcamp, whenever, I I, I don't know how Bandcamp works whenever you want to put something out there for free. Um, if it has to be name your price, but that's what the podcast is listed as. So, so you can, if you put in zero, you can just download it, which is what I did. Um, I don't know if you can just stream it on Bandcamp, to be honest. Like mm-hmm. whenever I've used Bandcamp for artists, I've either, if it's something that they've put up for name your price, I've given like a dollar or whatever, or if it's something that they're selling, I buy it. You know what I mean? Um, I, I'm, I'm generally not sure how like a podcast works on Bandcamp. Like I've, I've never really engaged with that on Bandcamp. Um, but he put out a podcast. Uh, he put it in two parts for some reason. Um, so it's two 20 minute halves. Um, and people pull out what they think are like smoking guns out of these podcasts where he's like, oh man, he's lost it here. This is just a manic episode. And oh boy, this is like, he's lost it completely. Um, and I listened to it and I, I like, I downloaded it and I popped it into my audio editor ready to like pull out clips of like, oh, well, this is pretty bad. Right. And um, I ended up not pulling out anything mm-hmm. just because it it seemed quite innocuous. Um, it seemed like regular. It seemed like regular Max. If anything, he was a little more rambly than uh, he, like usual. Um, maybe not usual, but like a little more rambly than like the Kanye video, like where he had more tangents and shit. But like, I don't know. He seemed lucid and everything. Like he circled back to the points he wanted to make. Like kind of like we do it, on here. Yeah, it was like like I like nothing worse than, you know, me at my worst. You know, <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but like. I, I, you know, like, I, I feel like people are just like seeing what they want to see in anything that he does at this point, you know? Um, totally. So he calls it at one point, the dark souls of podcasts, which I now can't use. So thanks for that, I guess. Um, so one of the big things that, uh, gets shared around now again in the Reddit, but this has now made it outside of the Reddit. I saw this mentioned on Instagram at least once, um, is that in the podcasts, uh, he admits to, and uh, the trigger warning for, um, sexual assault, I guess, um, that in the podcast, he admits to assaulting, uh, a sleeping Sherry. And I was like, when I heard that, I was like, oh my God, that's because like before I was like a lot of this, I can just kind of brush off and be like, well, you know, if he hasn't delivered shit from fans like to or to fans, right. that's really shitty. But like, I'm not about to take my anarchy flag down from my room, you know, but it's like when I heard this, I was like, oh my God, like, OK, well, maybe I need to reevaluate some things. Um, and not that I needed proof, but like I kind of wanted to hear it if he really admits to it. And this was still public. So I was like, wait, mm-hmm. this is still public. Like this wasn't taken down. Like that he does like that he just flat out says that he did this. Um, so I, I, I couldn't fucking believe it. So I, I listened to the podcast in full. Um, and I, I got to the part where he supposedly says this. And uh, it, it's it's not not what he says at all. The Internet I, took something out of context. Yeah. So like I, so he said like so in the podcast he talks about how um sherry uh at the time of the recording was uh going to a rehabilitation facility for a drinking problem 
which she was already open about on her Instagram and um, how he had already gotten clearance from her to talk about anything that he was going to talk about in the podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, we just have to take his word for that. But, you know, I don't see why he would m make that up. Um, and he says that um, he again, this is being way too public. They, they're also very public about their fucking sex life where it's like nobody needs to know that. <laughs> no, nobody needs to know that you have great sex, but they say it a lot. Like your kids are probably going to be super fucking. I don't know. I don't that. know if I agree with you on what, that. that. We need to know they have great sex. I feel like I feel like no, 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 we need to know it just that it's not that we need to or not like they should be able to share something like that. But it's this fan base that just is nuts. I think the blame falls on the fan base. I don't know. That's just me. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's just it's just like it, it It gets to a point where it's just like, I don't know, like he even says like that it's embarrassing. Like he like kind of apologizes where he's like. Yeah, it's almost like hearing that, like, your parents do it or whatever. But, like, okay. Oh, what? Like, for that, his actual then... kids in the future? <laughs> you, don't need to say you don't need to say it. No, like, uh, well, telling his fans. Well, there's, or, like, anybody listening. Statements. Yeah, I get it. And that says I'm a lot taking, about I'm taking it out of context. Itself. He's being, like, jovial about it. But you know what I mean? Yeah, mm -hmm. he, he recognizes that it's, like, out of pocket for him to say. Right. But he says it anyway. Um, But anyway... So at the time of recording, Sherry is in a rehab facility for uh, uh, alcohol abuse. Um, and he he uh, throughout the podcast, he talks about, you know, part of her struggles and part of the family's struggles with that. Um, the, the, the This part that, you know, is the, the supposedly so incriminating. He says that um, she would pass out after they would have sex. And he didn't know at the time that she like was relapsing into alcohol abuse. And so at the time... He thought that she was passing out because the sex was so good. But he doesn't say that he was having sex with her while she was sleeping. He doesn't say that. She, no, he, no. He says explicitly. Se sequential order he here. He says explicitly that she would pass out afterwards. Yeah, this is a bit much, actually, now that you. Now that you it mentioned. is a bit much, but this is what he said. And so what I what I assume has happened here is that somebody listened to the podcast gravely misinterpreted oh, it and paraphrased said it paraphrased it said it and lots of people uh, ran with it it's a game of telephone nobody actually listened to the podcast because it's on Bandcamp, you know because nobody listens to podcasts on Bandcamp, and everybody's all riled up ready to you know they got the pitchforks out pitchfork did not cover the story pitchfork did not cover the story so and well, I'm, I'm glad that you are a uh, a thorough reporter here. I'm trying on the to show be. And you did your I'm trying to diligence. be. If this feels like the defense squad, I don't know, but like No, I think it's been I, honestly like I know you you're a longtime fan of these artists, but I think this has been a pretty darn neutral uh examination of this whole thing. Yeah, like so but again, you could make the argument that like well, if she was abusing alcohol, could she properly consent? But it's like again, if she doesn't say anything yeah. about the, like, I did not mean to, you know, pun the fucking name of the band, but if she was okay with relaying these stories and what he was going to say and she did not feel abused, like, I don't know, man. Well, these are two separate, these are two separate, this is getting, yeah. this is getting turned into something here. Um, 
the two separate things, right? Because the the whole morality of what he's talking about, that's I don't even think we're commenting on that. What we're commenting on is uh misinterpretations, fans really just taking the ball and running and and turning putting their spin on something. Um, whether the original thing he said is whether there's issues there, whether that's problem, that's like that's not what we're getting at here. This is really about the fan relationship. Right, right, right. Yeah, so th- so this turned into, I saw posts saying like, oh my God, how could you assault Sherry while she was asleep? To mm-hmm. I then saw somebody else say that uh, he would uh, continually assault her while she was asleep, like as this happened multiple times. And it's like, what? Wh- where did that happen? When did that happen? You haven't, what? Yeah, yeah. It's like, but like oh, he admitted to it doing it spirals. multiple times. Where? It's where? like this, it's like if a snowball. It, I would love to see that. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to see it if he admitted to it. That's why I went and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. And it's public. It's public information that's not taken down. Holy shit. So um another sticking point from these podcasts is that uh he made a comment saying that uh one of his kids is going to be trans, which people found icky. Uh not because they were the uh, you know, being trans. But because he was, he, they interpreted it to be like he'd already picked out which one or something, and like had him marked. Um, it was a throwaway line. It sounds to me like this podcast was ill advised. It, it was. It was not the one we're doing right now, the Bandcamp one. It was. <laughs> I think. Clarify. I think that he was a little. Um, I don't want to say like bored or anything, but like he was a little. He had his guardrails mm, like yeah. off because he didn't have his wife home. I think is a little bit what happened. Okay. Because this was apparently supposed to be like the episode one of a series. And as far as I can tell, this is the only episode. Um, so, but it's a throwaway line in which in a, in a, in a further like uh, tangent about tr- like supporting trans rights where he's basically saying like, yeah, I got so many kids. I wouldn't be surprised if one of them ends up being trans. Oh, that's very different from from what you said originally. It's very different. Oh my goodness. It's very different, oh. isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Boy. Isn't it very different? My goodness. <laughs> I should have let you finish. <laughs> isn't that very different? <laughs> He was just talking, he was like making a joke oh, about man. like how he has so many kids. It's like, yeah, you know, one of them might end mm-hmm. up trans, like just because of the, the odds, like right. the numbers. Not like, oh yeah, this one is definitely, just look at them. No, he didn't say anything like that. Ay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so people will not only take what you're saying and construe it and, and put a new meaning on it, but they'll have their own agenda behind it too, which is just sad. Yeah, it's, so the other information in the rest of the podcast was that like the family doesn't have any money. Um, they're so broke that they couldn't afford to like file for bankruptcy. Um, and that, uh, his mom has to sometimes like give them food. So like they're in dire straits, but he's also like, please don't pity me. Like we were privileged artists for so long or whatever, you know, and like that the family's overall happy, even though they're going through these struggles, you know, this was not like, uh, what was Mm -hmm. me? Like, please send us cash kind of thing. This was just talking about the state of the thing and like people, yeah, people go wild with that. Um, and by the way, if one of um, their kids is trans. Um, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then that kid has sounds like has supporting parents, which is far from a given in this day and age. So just throwing that out there. So um, another thing that uh, I don't know where people found this, to be honest with you, I don't even know how you would go about finding this. 
but uh, they they discovered that um, they sold the. This is another thing that gets misconstrued no that they sold. Uh, okay. Max sold the rights to say anything songs, and technically, technically, uh, he sold the publishing royalties to say anything songs, which is different than selling the rights. And also, like pretty common in the music industry. No, I ju- I don't know. I generally don't know. I I've never into the you know like i don't even know how you would go about Mm -hmm. doing this like like you know um but it actually is fascinating because you see the breakdown of the earnings from from say anything songs on streaming platforms on um, tv and film rights yes yes um so yeah so like this doesn't mean that he no longer has the rights to say anything songs it means that he no longer gets royalties from the songs does that mean we're not going to get um is a real boy parentheses Max's version? Um, no, actually, we could, we could conceivably. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just, just, just wondering. Yeah. No. This is this is this is the streaming rights to like the the original song. Like he still has the copyright. Uh, like this literally says included rights. Uh, sound recording copyright included. No. Uh, rights. Uh, streaming sales. Uh, sources. Uh, internet streaming, AM, FM, and satellite radio, digital downloads, uh, CD sales. TV, film, commercial placements, uh, and performances. Wait, so so if he made a like a new re-recording, he would get all that back off of you know from the new recording. So it is kind of similar to well, because because the Taylor Swift thing, she's had her masters sold right from from under her. But it is kind of similar when you break. That's it down. what I assume. So yeah, it's I believe it's similar. Although he still owns yeah, he, so he still owns the copyrights like. So music is weird. So there are rights to the the songwriting itself. There are rights to the original uh, recorded mm. performance. And then there are rights to it being played publicly. And then there's the like rights for it being uh, like played on the radio and streaming and TV and all that. So there's tons of different rights just for like just for a song itself. So literally all he sold are the the royalties from the catalog. For a lump sum rather than like waiting for the trickle of royalty checks to come in. So like like the last 12 months breakdown is like 31% alive with the glory of love. 16% wow I can get sexual too. 10% baby girl I'm a blur. 5% every man has a molly. And then 38% was everything else. It's it's, it's very interesting. Um, And of course people are you know speculating what they're doing with the money. It's like, dude, they're probably using it to keep the fucking house. Like, we shouldn't... You see, that's just, just people taking it a step too far. It's like, yeah, like, this interesting breakdown of how the industry works, that's one thing. But now, why are we speculating on how they spend the money? Right. <laughs> like, stop. It's like, I get... Like, this, they did not make... Like, they no, did not post no. He was like, hey, go check out. Like, go buy the rights to my right. songs. So it's like, no, this was not... Like, he was not advertising this. I don't know how people found this shit. I don't know if somebody was in the industry and they found it. But, like... So, yeah, I was sold uh, 38 days ago as of our recording. Um, but they, but it's it's something that is misconstrued. It's he did not sell the rights to the songs. He sold the royalties, which is different. So he still owns the songs. He still owns the copyrights. They're still saying anything songs. He still has them. So um, so now we're getting into the very present day. We're like in the last couple weeks now. Well, we're getting there. Uh-huh. Uh, so at some point. And again, I don't know why they would say this. At some point, uh, Child Protective Services was called on their household. And it's, again, not our business. Right. We've established that for sure. (laughs) Not our business. 
on our business. We shouldn't know. They shouldn't have said anything, but he did in an Instagram post. And so it, it seems like it was somebody close to them. And so uh, they seem, it seemed like it was uh, Sherry's brother, Colin, was the speculation. But now it seems like it might have been Darren King is the uh, current the current theory. And the reasoning for that is uh, Say Anything released a new song because they're back. He brought the with band Fred back Mascherino together. And time, right? With Fred. Fred is back with his at least second stint with the band. Wait, was he, he was with the band once before for a touring capacity. I actually saw him with the band for the Is A Real Boy anniversary tour. Fred was in that incarnation. <laughs> Um, oh. but the, the original drum, and I saw that for the, uh, the New York, yeah, the New York shows the, the, the opener is, uh, the, the color, color Fred. Thing. Yes. Yes. Um, I, I yeah. don't know. I don't know what was going Like if the color Fred was still trucking along or brought back, I don't know what was going on there. Um, but yeah, uh, but say anything has its original drummer back who was not in music. He became a bodybuilder and like fitness guy. Uh, that's why he left the band. But uh, yeah, they got the original drummer back. And then uh, another former another former uh, person that was in the band was helping Max with his solo stuff in the meantime. So he was kind of still with Say Anything. Um, yeah, the band's back. Uh, yeah, yes. So this is even more of a reunion I, than I realized. Basically. Because um, I just figured for the last at least number of albums, it was mostly like you could sort of interchangeably say you know max be mr say anything i figure it was mostly his work um but yeah now that they're getting some original members back that's pretty yes cool. yes and so they uh they put out uh, a new song uh which the the promotion of the new song um was done very weirdly and i don't think it went to plan because uh the new single was announced by the bamboozle festival which is a whole other can of worms that we don't have time to <laughs> we don't have time to get into. Although I do want to, it's I, no longer happening. It's right? no longer happening. But when it was supposed to happen, I do want to go over the uh, the the supposed lineup that was going to happen. That was Skate and Surf. So I know that that festival because the name sounds familiar. I know it's been happening in like Atlantic City, New Jersey. Now, did we was that the thing we saw in, when it was Asbury Park, or was that a different festival? Oh, skate. Oh, okay. Does that is that exist anymore? Or did they move that out of Asbury? Oh, all right. That was pretty cool. No, no, that doesn't exist anymore. Nope. Um, yeah, it was. Um, I want to get the lineup because it's quite interesting. So this really has nothing to do with uh, the main picture, but I just want to I just want to kind of go over what they were proposing for the canceled bamboozle festival. Uh, the first day, Friday, was going to have um, uh, Joey Badass, um, Ski Mask, the Slump God. Uh, the only band I recognize here is Turnover, um, which, okay. Ooh, yeah, and Emotionless oh. and White. <laughs> they were like always like a warp Tour band. Uh, Saturday was going to have Flyleaf. What? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so Flyleaf. Um, Limp Biscuit was going to be there. Oh, podcast favorite. Yep. Uh, say anything. Mayday Parade. Uh, Steve Aoki's Emo Night Dance Party. And all kinds of other shit. I don't know. And then Sunday, I guess, was the 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 day that they were really hoping people would show up for. Uh, because they had a boogie with the hoodie. I don't know who that is. Um, they got uh, Papa Roach was going to be there. Uh, Rick Ross. Uh, young gravy, you know, you gotta have young gravy there. Um, 
And then I guess the headliners were Finch and uh, Saves the Day, forming In Reverie for the 20-year anniversary, performing oh, the album man. that everybody hated except me. So, I'm you know, so, that's... Uh, you know, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> that's uh, that's how that was going to go. So uh, Personally, yeah, like, no judgment to anybody who's excited for this, uh, but this is, like, my personal nightmare, <laughs> this lineup. <laughs> This is like the hauntings of my uh, my my teenage years when I really didn't fully develop my uh, taste in music. Again, no offense, but uh huh, yeah. Oh God, Hollywood Undead was gonna be there. Remember them? I do, I do. Uh, so yeah, they they didn't sell enough tickets, and they also didn't get the permits in, so uh, it was canceled. Uh, for the greater good, I would say. Uh, but I also I think people were not getting refunds, <laughs> yeah. which is a major bummer. But um. Oh, oh yeah, no. it's, it's rough. It's rough. Do you stuff. know what outlet but, uh, they sold the tickets through? I no, I don't. I really don't. No, I don't think it was Ticketmaster. I think it was like more rinky dink. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ticketmaster blows, but I mean, I think it was also like you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, yeah. So Bamboozle announced like, wow. hey, say anything, new single like on this day, and then the day that the single was supposed to drop was the day that Bamboozle was canceled. So that. Just fantastic, fantastic marketing. Just top notch. Um, so the new song uh, is called Psych, and it's uh, it's a solid song. Uh, and then you get to the end, which at the risk of copyright, I think I should play. Um, Ooh, I don't no? know about that. No, no, you don't think so? No? But hey, it's your podcast. <laughs> Personally, I don't think so, but it's your show. What, just because of the content or because of the copyright? Um, good arguments for both. Um, but you, again, you, this is your, this is your grand segment here. So. Okay. Um, well, I guess content warning for suicide. I'm the guy that has Bud Dwyer on the cover of my fucking podcast. So. This is my crime too. Okay. It's like I'm going to describe in ironic terms that convey I'm a sick guy. Oh, I got away with destroying my lover's true life. Me and Connor drink to our wire tonight and he never once mentioned how he also freaked Cosby he still takes stacks to clean lies right off me the iceberg fits he'll sing say anything Billy Zane shot himself so will Darren I forgot about the Cosby line fuck mm-hmm. <laughs> I forgot about the Cosby line <laughs> shit yeah uh yeah so if you didn't catch it, <laughs> he says that uh, Darren King is going to shoot himself. Darren King being the brother-in-law? Uh, yeah. Uh, the Yes, Darren King being his brother-in-law, who, again, he worked with on I Don't Think It Is, which is also the last album to have weird uh, rapping, um, and who is now speculated to have called uh, CPS on his family. But, like, again, not our business. I don't like what? Uh, it's just like why? Why is he? Why is he including this kind of shit? You know, like. Yeah, it's it's funny because like we're talking about all this stuff, and it's like, just it's worth keeping in mind. This was all just just kind of laid out publicly by the by them, you know, the the family or some, you know, Max himself or. Like we were we were saying before how like you know everything before like it was all uh, artistic license and uh, is a real boy 
he was doing things like he was he wasn't talking about mm -hmm. um his own like own experiences quite the same way he was uh, discussing what he was seeing around him and but then he was like writing about um maturing into fatherhood you know all all the kinds of different subject matter but everything was never as like everything was always so metaphorical you know like there was so much uh poetic language used and now it's yeah, my brother-in-law is gonna shoot himself. Like what? What? Like I, I, truly, like that's that's the that's the thing. Is like before, it's like oh yeah, fans don't fans don't know how to you know they uh, I I my lyrics are misinterpreted. Um, you know they don't really uh, quite understand what I was trying to convey, which is fine. But then it's like, well, how do you want people to take this? I didn't even get to the part where he says Google him. He says at the end, Google him. Yeah, I, I so if you mean, didn't know who Darren King was, you should Google him and find out that he's my brother-in-law, who I want dead. It's like what? Okay, and it's like it's like all right. So like again, like you know, this is a guy that makes concept record. Like I'm trying to find the like I'm not like again I'm not trying to run defense. I'm just trying to find the most charitable like reading of this I can. It's like all right, so you have other song. Is this part of a concept record here? Like is he is he in on this? It's like I don't think so. There seems to have been a falling out here. I you know like I mm -mm. yeah, because based on what you saw on social media, it sounds like a falling out, and that falling out has made its way very personally into the music. Uh, not in a good yeah, way. and and so they played this live. And he he includes this part too, uh, including the Google it, <laughs> which sounds cringier when he says it live. To be honest, yeah, I, I just don't. It, it I don't know. I, I I truly don't. It's uh like I was I was just like it's like it doesn't match the rest of the song either. No, it just is. It feels it feels very tacked on. It's like the rest of it was produced. I think you might have said this in a in a message to me or something. Where like the rest of it feels produced, and then this was just sort of tacked on. It was either you or my sister said that. Um, okay, yeah, but um, right, yeah. uh huh, yeah. Like, what do you what do you expect anybody to do with this? I don't know. And it, it's 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 it's. But no, to to a degree, like you know, the the bulk of it does sound like a sort of you know a classic sounding say anything song it's like yeah we're back you know we're making new music that's fine and then you get to the jarring ending and you're like what do we do with this it's weird it's it's just weird um right but they're on tour they're doing i think it's just like new york and la dates i think and uh they seem to be going well you know people on twitter are really enjoying the shows like <laughs> they are they are <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's just like whenever you, you mention any kind of like, I had a good time at the show on Reddit, then you get mobbed with, you know, oh yeah, just waiting for it to crash and burn or for him to cancel dates. It's like, uh, <laughs> you know, um, but then at the same time, it's like there are comments where like from like a year ago where it's like, yeah, he should just, just stop with like, you know, like trying to use his family for, you know, sympathy and just get back to say anything. And it's like, okay, well he did. So now what do you want? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Like, yeah, right. You're never going to sad. Yeah. When when people are 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 involved in these, like, I guess you call them parasocial relationships or in, honestly, invasions, <laughs> um, you're not going to satisfy them because they don't want to be satisfied because then their their uh, their obsession would end. They got something to latch on to. Fans have a right to be upset if they got a song shop and it, it was kind of shitty or they're still waiting on a song shop. 
or they never got one and like communication stonewalled like that's that's shit that's really mm-hmm. shit or or like they commissioned Sherry's artwork and it wasn't very good or they're still waiting on that or yeah. uh Sherry wrote bitch on one of their pieces of artwork which is something that happened and she said that uh she was in an argument on the phone or something and so she was just doodling and wrote bitch so she didn't say it out loud but then she shipped the artwork with that which is Whoa, that is okay. All right. Quite um, an excuse. Uh-huh. That's bad. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So like there's all like all of it's it's bad business. Yeah. Yeah. It's that 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 shit is rough. That's rough. And like there isn't really a good excuse for it except for the fact that like these are messy people. These are messy people and they put too much of themselves on public. So whenever you see that and you're a person that is waiting or pissed off about like orders you placed, and they're mm-hmm. doing something else and you're like, they should be working for me or rectifying my shit. You're going to get upset and you're going to get too invested in it, you know, but like they're fucking messy and that's just what it's going to be like. it's And it's I'm not like, you know, saying that that's good or all right, but it's just what it's going to be. That's just the state of it. And like, yeah, they should do better about that. Like, especially like they're charging money, you know, like, yeah, it's fucking rough for everyone. Like you're you're charging money, you gotta deliver that shit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like if somebody orders a book from me and it's it's damaged or, you know, the the printing got fucked up and I didn't realize it, you know, like I'm not just gonna like stonewall. Like, you know, I know how this shit goes. Like I'm not operating at that kind of scale. Okay, so you haven't you haven't written bitch inside of any of the children's books that you've sent out. Not yet. Not yet. I might have a bad okay. day. We haven't yeah. gotten to that point. So, but, you know, like, <laughs> like, I, I know how this shit goes. Like, you know, like, I know how to send out orders and sh- you know what I mean? Like, I, I do similar yeah. shit. Like, so people are paying money for your stuff. But there is yeah. that divide. Yeah. yeah, there is that divide between feeling entitled to a, a service that you paid or a product that you paid for. And then just also um, digging into someone for your perceived like what you perceive their personal life to 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 be right like there's just there's a boundary there that i feel like has not been yeah uh, honored like, yeah, i don't think that they are intentionally taking people's money and not delivering i just think that they're in no. way over their heads they've got a lot of friggin' kids you know they got too much shit to deal with they got they're they're broke as hell i guess and you know that's a lot to deal with but the best way for them to get out of that would be for him to tour with his biggest band like he said three years ago that you know he wasn't going to bring the band back for 10 to 20 years so like maybe he was forced into it because of the money situation or whatever but like you got to do what you got to do you know so i don't know i don't know um but yeah like the 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 Kickstarter shit was really rough. The song shop shit is really rough. Um, yeah. The podcast was weird. The podcast, definitely weird. Yeah. Um, I, I think a lot of that was misconstrued. I think doing the podcast was misguided, for sure. As you know, mm-hmm. I, I shouldn't throw stones in a glass house. But, <laughs> but I think it was misguided. Uh, and probably for the best that it... Well, maybe not for the best if it's still getting misconstrued that it's locked to band camp. But uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I think that's that's what it is. Um, I, I, I think I covered everything. That's sort of what's going on. I, I, I this didn't go the exact way whenever I first started the research for it to go. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 I didn't set out with for this to be like sort of a, a you know, 
a takedown of like a minor celeb or, you know, or like a call out thing. It's not. That's what I didn't want. I I didn't want that to be in the first place anyway. And then when I was doing research, I found more just like things being misconstrued or, you know, what I found more interesting was the fan reaction to a lot of this Uh, because we've talked about some of that shit before and the, the way in which like social media and like the, the way that miscommunication happens is so much more interesting to me than, you know, like the, the downfall of like, you know, uh, an emo band from, you know, 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. Cause I think, you know, from our end, um, you know, we're, we're towing a line here where it's, we're kind of presenting everything in the context, the best context that you can present it in. Right. Um, and it's like, it is interesting. It's worth talking about because this type of like relationship that fans have with artists, it's still fairly new in the grand scheme of things. This, this type of access that we have to people's lives through what they put on social media and whatnot. And, and the, the way that the, you know, internet forums like Reddit, and I'm, I'm starting to sound like an, an old person talking about the power of the internet. But, but honestly, like, you know, 20 years ago when this band was just starting, the internet was very different. Um, I don't know. It's just, you know, with, with more, uh, information and more transparency, sometimes you see issues arise like we've talked about here. It's, it's, it's unfortunate. I, I hope I, I did enough research here and like gave the full picture, uh, because we've been recording for two fucking hours already. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode because there's no way we can include the rest of this shit in this part um but yeah we're gonna see what we're gonna do next uh so yeah thank you for listening i uh, really appreciate it hopefully this deep dive was a, a, of some value at least um really appreciate you listening if you have any thoughts uh video at deadandroad.co uh check out the website uh i've posted some new shit there uh check out the Kofi page i'm trying not to like again i guess this is related i'm trying not to use social media as much like i haven't been promoting shit which is probably to my detriment but i've been trying to use the Kofi page similar to like a social media thing where I just like post what is going on and what I'm working on there. So you can just like check and follow that if uh, that interests you at all. Um, Yeah, I think that's, I think that's it. Uh, Thank you, Ian, for joining me for, for this Uh, dive into Reddit, I guess. And uh, yeah, I think we'll see you on the next one.